0: Hello, guys. Welcome back to Big Lezzers League. It is Christmas Eve. Can you not believe it? I was sitting here. It's Christmas Eve, and I was thinking, what better way to celebrate Christmas Eve than to replay the first ever podcast with the Rugby League Guru? It was an unbelievable chat. We talked about all-star teams. We named a little all-star team of all the best players currently in the NRL. We talked about Clive Churchill predictions for this year. Let's see if any of us got those right. Parramatta, we talked about Parramatta. We talked about league expansion and other footy topics. It was a long chat, 50 minutes, but it was an awesome chat. We actually kick it off by talking about round 24. 24. It was the Parramatta Eels versus the Melbourne Storm. We just talked a bit about that game, um, and then we just got into all the other stuff. So make sure you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: Walker, Walker away to Tarp, and then it's gone on to Gagai, and Dane's gone through. Walker's there supporting, and he puts it over the line for a final strike. A couple of plays of the game.
0: The Panthers are going to be first after this. It's been ugly. They've been far from their best, Cleary straight through. The way it's come, a long ball over the top.
1: Qatar, the trick finish.
0: Big Lez's League. Yeah, it's rewind time. They have the rugby league guru on. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, Les, mate. How are you traveling?
0: Oh, I'm all right, mate. All good, all good here. Uh, well, let's get straight into it. Uh, team of the round. I've got the Parramatta Eels. I think their efforts to beat the Melbourne Storm was just absolutely unreal. I thought that they were um, just unbelievable. Great on the park. Um, it was a strange one by the Melbourne Storm. Didn't expect them to lose. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I didn't see this loss coming at all. It's funny, though, when you are going for records and streaks and all this sort of stuff, it's sort of like in a game, you know, when you see teams come from behind, you know, they're down by 22 points or whatever, it's quite often it happens that scoring the first 22 in the comeback looks easy, but then just crossing the line over that last one can be really difficult. I didn't see this coming with the Melbourne Storm at all, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a bit of a cakewalk and – I mean, to Parramatta's credit, Melbourne didn't even play poorly. I actually thought Melbourne played pretty well. They just couldn't um, they just couldn't complete in the red zone. And it was a credit to the Parramatta Eels' defense. I've heard a lot of people say that Melbourne Storm didn't play well. I, I disagree. I thought they played very well in that game. And Parramatta's been a team that I've been pretty critical of over the last few weeks. But, uh, geez, they were impressive against the Melbourne Storm. So hopefully they can take some confidence out of that game moving forward.
0: Yeah, 100%. I was talking to the Shortball podcast before we actually started recording um, he said that um, the Storm didn't come out to lose. Parramatta came out to win, and I thought that was pretty interesting as well. I thought that that's definitely the case. I think um, there's a lot of conversation about the Melbourne Storm, um, considering that uh, Craig Bellamy wanted to um, lose this one. I don't think that's the case at all. I think um, I think Parramatta wanted it more.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's crazy to suggest. Melbourne wanted to lose this one. I haven't heard any of those takes, but uh, you could definitely see how much it meant to him going for that record and and just your momentum going into finals. Uh, the Melbourne Storm, they're never happy losing a game. And I, I think the biggest factor of this was that if they would have won that game, it would have wrapped the minor premiership up for them. Um, and I think that he would have been happy to rest a heap of guys this week, knowing they had the minor premiership wrapped up. I've heard Craig Bellamy talk a number of times that you know, as much as you want to win premierships, a lot of teams sort of devalue the minor premiership. I know it means a lot to the Melbourne Storm. Uh, it has throughout their entire history. So there was a lot going into that game for the Storm. Uh, and, yeah, I, I definitely don't think it was a game that Craig Bellamy was happy to lose. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in six weeks, if the Melbourne Storm are holding the trophy, this will be the game they look back on and go, yep, yeah, that was the wake-up call we needed,
0: though. Yeah, 100% agree. Another team I've got here is the Cowboys. Um, seventeen, Seven out of 17 of their players run for over 100 metres. I mean, that's a great effort.
1: Yeah, it's a good knock. Obviously, coming up against the Dragons, who have been uh, less than impressive over the last month or so. But the North Queensland Cowboys, the most points they've scored in, I think, three years since Thurston retired. And uh, it was good to see Tal Malolo playing in the front row. I've been having this argument with people for three or four years now, saying that he's the best front rower in the game, not uh, not the best lock forward. And as soon as they make that move, they score 38 points. Uh, so it was really good to see. And this is what you want from though. You don't want him playing the full 80 minutes. You don't want him running for three and 400 metres, breaking records every week. You want him to be running for 200, 250 metres, but then be an impactful 200, 250 metres. And then you expect the other guys around him to do a job as well. And that's what happened on the weekend. So really positive signs for the North Queensland Cowboys moving forward.
0: Yeah, they've got uh, Tamalolo running for over two hundred for 209 metres. Uh, so it was a great effort from him. It's, it definitely suits the game today, putting him in the front row. Oh, without a doubt. It suited the game
1: for the last two and a half years, realistically. It's just taken uh, the best teams in the competition to do it week in, week out for people to realise. Uh, for me, mate, the team that I thought was probably most impressive this week, outside of the Eels, of course, I thought the Canberra Raiders were sensational in a game where, Momentum is just so dominant in 2021 for them to concede a try in the first minute. I mean, you're really on the back foot there. And then to come from 16 nil down against the New Zealand Warriors, who are a team that can score points uh, to score, I think it's 26 or 28 unanswered points. An incredible effort from the Raiders who uh, it's been a pretty grim few weeks for them, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, 100%. I can 100% agree with that. Uh, geez, Chance the Cold stat. how underrated is he?
1: Yeah, he's a very good little footballer. I'm not sure how how good he'd be outside of that Raiders system, to be honest with you, but it's uh, it's very similar to like a, a James Tedesco. Like there are better, you know, you could say that Tommy Turbo is a better fullback than, than Teddy, but I think Teddy is the perfect fullback for the Roosters, and I think that Charns, as much as he is a little bit unorthodox, he's the perfect fullback for that Canberra Raiders side. And, yeah, I didn't expect him to have that much impact upon his return, to be honest with you, but he really was a needle mover once he came on, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, 100%. Another person that had an impact, I reckon, when in their return was Brian Totto for the Penrith Panthers. I mean, 300 and something metres um, and his first game back from a pretty stressing injury. Yeah, well, I
1: think he's, I think he equaled the record as the fastest guys to come back from that specific injury. I heard the physio talking about that. So an incredible effort. From Brian To'o, and from what I've heard, he was right to go last week as well. They just were a bit cautious with it. So an incredible effort from Brian To'o, especially in a team that, realistically, if he didn't play for the next two weeks, it wouldn't really matter to the Penrith Panthers. Uh, They're going to finish one, two, or three regardless. Uh, But for him to come back shows the sort of attitude this side has. And I thought they were really impressive on the weekend. Penrith, obviously, they're still a little bit away from their absolute best, but. I mean, if what we show on the weekend is, you know, 70% of what they can do, it's a scary prospect. He's one of the premier wingers in our game, Brian To
0: no doubt about it. Yeah, I can 100% agree, and I can see why he was picked for Origin. He's just a, such a great player. Talking about players of the round, let's uh, get into that. I've got Mitchell Pearce here. I think that the game he played for the Newcastle Knights, uh, obviously, score, but plugging a 40-20 while, when... Um, Knights were on the back foot, um, especially after Aaron Clark put a huge shot on one of their front rowers. I think that was just awesome to watch.
1: Yeah. It was a very deflating moment after that, when I think they knocked on on second tackle. he definitely deserved more out of that, but he obviously kicked the field goal, which everyone talked about for me. He's, this try that he scored was unreal, and this is what the best halves in the game are able to do. He could identify uh, that they were on the front foot, and he just imposed himself on the line. There's not too many halves you see do this. Mitchell Pearce is definitely one of them. You see uh, Cam Munster do it sometimes, and it's something that you've seen Tom Turoibich do more and more of. Even though he's not a half, he just looks up, sees something and says, just give me the ball. I love when Pearce just pushes, pushes through the middle. Uh, he's done this a few times over the last few years. I know he's done it uh, against the Roosters a couple of times as well, scored some really good tries there. Uh, for the Newcastle Knights I love it when you see a half just take it upon themselves to go at the line I think it's sensational
0: yeah no he's definitely uh one of the best uh halfbacks at the moment um in the current competition I reckon um another player I've got here is Adam Reynolds I think not so much what he did on the field but the impact he had on the players around him I think that's definitely earned him the player of the round for me what are your thoughts
1: yeah, it's sort of like the old uh, the the MVP over in the basketball. You sort of when they're deciding that it definitely comes into conversation what the team is like when that player isn't there. And geez, the the brief stint that Adam Reynolds had off the field in that game the other night, the South Sydney Rabbitohs look completely different. If you're a Rabbitohs fan, for me, it probably is a little bit of worrying signs heading into next season. But I thought Reynolds was unreal. He's had one of the best kicking games, if not the best kicking game in the NRL for the last few years, pretty much essentially since and retired, in my opinion. I love Adam Reynolds and everything he does. And I think he's a fantastic signing for the Brisbane Broncos who will wear the seven jersey there next year. Another guy that's worn the seven jersey at the Brisbane Broncos, and he was one of my players of the round, was Tommy Dearden, a guy that's copped a lot of criticism over the last few weeks. I think it's his first win as a starting halfback in X amount of games, whatever the hell it is. But he's a guy that he always just goes hard. He tries his very best, Tom Dearden. He's not being successful because of a lack of effort. Uh, And I think it was fantastic to see him finally win a game on the weekend and really play a critical role in that game. He was very impressive to me.
0: Yeah, it was his second win in 24 games, um, which is a crazy stat. He's a much better player than than that stat says,
1: though. So good to see Tommy Dearden. Uh, He's obviously been heavily criticized. So, yeah, good to see him get get a win there. I still think he's got a big future in rugby league.
0: Yeah, I I bet. I bet. All right, let's go into this... uh, Little uh, concept I've put up, uh, all-star teams. If you could, uh, if all-star teams were up and all-star teams were still happening, uh, what players would you put in that team and why? Just start off with your
1: team. Uh, my team, so at fullback, I've gone with James Sudesco As I said, he might not be the best fullback in the game anymore, but I think... Uh, you just got to have Teddy in this side. And obviously the other guy I'm talking about is Tommy Turbo. You couldn't possibly deny his form this year. So I have got him in the side, but if you can pick Teddy in a team, I think you have to. So I've got Teddy at fullback. Uh, my two wingers, I've gone for Josh Carr I think he's criminally underrated when it comes to these things. He's just been so consistent over the last few years and in attack and defense, I, I think he is the premier winger in our game. I think that these New guys come along like Brian Toto and AJ scores a heap of tries. But uh man, Addo Carr on both sides of the ball, he's just unreal. The other winger I've gone for is Brian Toto. I'm really big on coming out of your own end. And I'm not sure if there's been a winger that has more impact on the team uh, than Brian To. Guys that come to mind are probably Wendell Saylor, semi-rud Raja at the Eels a couple of years ago. But that Penrith side, they are, you know, they're obviously an out and out top four team, but it's crazy to think the impact that their winger has. Uh, in the centers, I've gone for two guys that are playing fullback at the moment. I've gone for Latrell Mitchell. I still think he's the most damaging left center in the game. And I've gone for Tom Teroy, you just have to have this guy on the side somewhere, don't you? Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, in the halves, I've gone for Cam Munster. Hasn't been his greatest season. I honestly, I must consider putting Cody Walker in there and on form. Uh, You probably should have Walker in there, realistically. But I just think Munster, he's proven on the big stages. He's a guy that I absolutely love. And I think if you put him in a team like this with, you know, a star-studded side, he would do unbelievable things. Uh, Halfback, Nathan Cleary, he picks himself. I think he is the premier seven in our game right now. I'm really looking forward to when he starts to own those big stages. And he's, you know, he started to do it in State of Origin this year, which is a really good sign. Uh, The forward pack, mate, I thought this was really hard. Uh, My front rowers sort of picked themselves. James Fisher Harris and Payne Haas, um, obviously two, two different body types, uh, which I'm really big on in my pack. Payne Haas, he's just an absolute juggernaut at the moment, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got the same front rowers in my team. I think that they're just unbelievable and the, and the impact that they have on their sides, um, it's just amazing. I couldn't leave them out.
1: Yeah, James Fisher Harris has got that intimidation factor as well. He's a real leader around the Penrith Panthers system and he. I think people forget when he first came into the game a couple of years ago, he was just, he was an absolute lunatic, James Fisher Harris. He is really, his arc as a footballer has been so impressive. Uh, my hooker, probably a little bit controversial, but I've gone for Harry Grant. Uh, Brandon Smith has probably been the better hooker uh, at the Melbourne Storm this year, simply because he's played more football. But with the forward pack that I was able to pick in this team, um, I couldn't leave Harry Grant out. I think he is the best nine in the game, and I I have got Brandon Smith in the team somewhere else. So we'll get to him in a second. Uh, Second rowers, I've gone for Angus Crichton as one edge, and the other edge, I've gone Cam Murray, uh, a guy that I think is better through the center third. But if you can fit Cameron Murray into a team somewhere, you simply have to have him there. And it doesn't mean that he would stay on the edge. Obviously, all game, you could move him around a little bit. Jersey 13, uh, a bit of a controversial one for me. Obviously, you know, Cam Murray is a guy that people would have liked to have seen. Brandon Smith is another one. Victor Radley, for me, probably just hasn't played enough footy this year. He's probably one of, if not my favourite player. But uh, I, ha- I had to go with Isaiah Yo. I think the way that he's transformed over the last few years and how important he is for this Penrith Panthers team. And uh, if I'm going with Nathan Cleary at seven, I think you're crazy not to go with Isaiah Yo in Jersey 13. And then my bench, I've gone for a heap of impact here. I've gone for Adam Fenua Blake. I mentioned body types before. Uh, Obviously, Payne Harsh, James Harris, two juggernauts, two sort of slimmer sort of characters. I love AFB, just the body shape he's got. I think he'd be so hard to handle. I've gone with Brandon Smith on the bench as well. I think he's the best uh, center third momentum guy in our game. So the Chiefs picks himself there. Also a bit of cover for dummy half if Harry Grant can't go the full eighty. And then the last guy I picked, a bit of a wild card, but I've gone for Isaiah Papalii, obviously a guy that can play on the edge all through the middle, another real momentum guy. And as you can see, you know, when I did, when I would take, obviously, uh, James Harris and Payne Haas off, I would have AFB, Brandon Smith, Papalii. It would just be relentless through the middle. And then my last player, sort of my utility, um, you'd have to make a decision here between Cody Walker, Ryan Pappenhausen, or Kalen Ponger. Uh, one of those three, I sort of couldn't separate them, to be honest with you. I think current form, probably lean towards Cody Walker. But if you would have asked me at the start of the year, really hard to leave Ryan Pappenhausen out. So I'd go with those big three on my bench with a utility there. What does your side look like, mate?
0: Uh, well, my side, I've got James Tedesco at fullback as well. As you said, I don't think you can leave him out of your side at all. I think he's just too valuable as a player. Um, on the wings, I've got Tom travojevic and I've got Alex Johnston. Now, that might be a bit controversial there, but I just think he's a try scoring machine, and I think that speed is just um, undeniable on the wing. I think that'd be crazy um, in an all-star side. Uh, in the centres, I've got Latrell Mitchell and Joseph Manu. I think Joseph Manu, he's just played some great footy this season. What are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you what, Joey was really hard to leave
1: out for me, but
0: uh, when you've,
1: you know, there's just so many class, players. I actually considered picking Joey Manu on a wing, to be honest with you, just to get him in the team somewhere. I was sort of tossing up him and Brian Toe, but, uh, yeah, Joey Manu, probably the unluckiest back not to get into my side.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I just picked Joey Manu as well, cause he can sort of play that role that Tom Drojevic plays in origin and just, uh, lo- r- r- roam around the back, um, looking for the footy, um, I think he'd just be outstanding in that side. I've got the same halves as you. I've got Cam Munster and I've got Nathan Cleary. Uh, Cam Munster was pretty hard to leave out for me. I think that um, he's just an outstanding player. And as you said, he is proven on the big stages. Uh, Nathan Cleary, uh, what a player. A thousand points and he's only 23 years of age. I mean, he's got some great footy ahead of him. Um, Totally, totally agree with your pick there. I've got him there as well. Front rowers, I've got the same as you as well. I've got Fisher-Harris and I've got Payne Haas. Uh, Payne Haas, what an impact for the Brisbane Broncos. Um, Just crazy, crazy talent. And James Fisher-Harris, um, he's cr- just playing some great footy at the moment. I think he's really matured his game since he started as well. Um, Yeah, and he's playing some great footy at the moment. In the back row, I've got Angus Crichton and I've got Cam Murray. Wow, Angus Crichton, what a season he's had. He he's probably hasn't been mentioned as much as other players, like your David Fafitas. Um, but he what the impact he has for the Sydney Roosters, it's just undeniable. like It's impossible not to see. He, he's awesome. And then Cam Murray as well, um, the season he's had for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the little things he does, um, the defense that he puts in week in, week out, I think that he was just too hard to leave out. Thirteen. I know you said that he hasn't played much footy this season, but I've gone with Victor Radley. I think that the strike and the, and the absolute power that he has, um, it's just too hard to leave out. He's almost like a third half as well on the field, um, in most games. Along with that strength, what are your thoughts on Victor Radley?
1: Yeah, mate, I'm a huge fan of Victor. I just uh, if I'm going with Nathan Cleary, so and it's more so a pick that's not Isaiah Yo's better than Radley. It's just uh, I was obviously told to pick a team here, and this is the team I've gone for because I think they would gel well together. If I'm going with Cleary, I definitely want Isaiah Yo. I know that's a combination that is bulletproof. I obviously haven't seen Radley and Nathan Cleary play footy together, but you know I've been a huge fan of Radley on my page for a long time. I think he's the guy that's changed the thirteen jersey. He's transitioned away. From that extra front rower to, as you said, like a third half, uh, he's he's been the key to the Roosters for a long time. So well, I've gone for Isaiah Yo, but I would never criticize anyone for picking Victor Radley in the 13 jersey.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I've definitely had to put him in there. I've got Isaiah Yo on the bench, um, uh, just coming off the bench. And as you said, just contributing to that combination that he has with Nathan Cleary. I think that's just unstoppable. My bench is Harry Grant. I've got Harry Grant on the bench just as an impact. He can basically just play that roaming lock role or play a bit of hooker in the last 20 of the first half or like a long time in the second half. You can just put him on and let him play footy. I think that he'd be great off the bench. I've got David Fafita. Now he's just a strike weapon. He's just a weapon. He, No one can tackle him. He, he's too big, too strong. I think that... Um, have great impact off the bench. Uh, He was just impossible for me to leave out. Uh, 16, I've got Isaiah I think that, yeah, as you said, the combination with Cleary, I think is just too valuable and I had to put him in the side. Uh, And then my 17 is Daniel Saifidi. Now, um, he's obviously out for the season with that injury, um, but he's just played some great footy uh, the past few seasons. And I think in an all-star team, you've just got to put him in there because he really does um, contribute to that Newcastle Knights side. I've picked an 18th man. I've I've gone with Cody Walker, um, and yeah, he'd be great. He can just fill in anywhere if um, if someone's injured. What are your thoughts on that side?
1: Yeah, mate. I think it's really strong. I've uh, I I obviously left Radley out, which was probably the main difference in these sides. Our backline's a little bit different, but I don't think you're really losing or gaining much between our two backlines. Um, the, the the other guy that um that you didn't mention was your, your starting cooker, Damian Cook. Uh, obviously, you've gone with Cook and Harry Grant. I've gone a little bit differently with Harry Grant. I've got Brandon Smith on the bench who could play hooker for me if I needed him, but I think I'd rather use him as a sort of a centre-third guy. But, mate, it'd be one hell of a game if these two teams went against each other. I think, for me, the standout from your team that was hard to leave out, obviously, Joe Manu was one, but as you mentioned, Daniel Saifiti, I think he's one of the most improved players in the game over the last few years, just such a, such a consistent and safe front row. I just sort of went for a bit more explosive upside on my bench. If I was going to pick Saifedi, I think I would have probably had him in the starting team. Realistically, he's just that sort of a fellow, but uh, definitely a guy that deserves to be in the conversation for any all-star team that we're, that you're selecting at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I've sort of gone with Damian Cook just for that speed out of dummy half. Um, I, another player that I thought was hard to leave out for me was Isaiah Papaliti. I mean he is definitely the buy of the year he is just solid you can put him in the front row back row even at lock he would he would just be electric um yeah I, I he was really hard to leave out for me but I had to go with Daniel Saifidi just purely to the fact that he's just the safe front rower um he's super strong um, and I think you just get the job done for that side um Moving on to the next uh, topic, Clive Churchill medalist prediction. I've gone with Tom Drojevic. I think he gets it. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think Tommy Turbo is a good shout. If Manly are there, I mean, if Manly are to win premiership this year, it's hard to argue that it'll be anyone outside of Tommy. Uh, The other one would probably be DCA. He'd probably be the next best. He's obviously already won a Clive Churchill as well, so that would be an unreal narrative. But I think if Manly are there, Tommy Turbo, he has to be. Uh, the choice there. I've got uh, the Melbourne Storm taking on the Manly Seagulls in the grand final this year. Uh, at the moment, obviously for Manly, you would have to go turbo, but I think Melbourne will win this game, this grand final. Um, I've gone for Cam Munster. I feel like, I feel like Munster's just been floating along this year, sort of waiting for September to come along, for finals footy to come. And I feel like he is going to have something big lined up for us come finals footy on the big stages there. The other guy I've gone for is Harry Grant. Now, Obviously, he's only going to probably play 60 minutes. They're obviously going to stick with their plan at the moment of having uh, Brandon Smith start the game, which I would do as well. At the start of the season, I said definitely not. But from watching Melbourne this year, it's impossible uh, to to deny that it was the right way to go. But Harry Grant, he'd be my other smokey coming on in the, in the last 60 minutes. I just think he is going to wreak absolute havoc in that grand final if Melbourne are there. So they'd be my two punts. But I really like the Tommy Turbo shout if it is the Manly Seagulls, obviously.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. The reason I've gone with Tom Travojevic is um, mainly just look hot, like hot contenders at the moment. Um, South's obviously losing their trail Mitchell. They, they could still get there, but it would be really difficult for them. So I reckon that the grand final this year um, will be uh, mainly in and, and, and Melbourne. I don't see Penrith getting there, purely just the fact that um, I just don't think they're there. Um, I mean, they deserve to be uh, in the conversation. They deserve to be in that grand final spot. I just don't think uh, personally that they're there yet in like this season. I think Manly have just uh, proven that they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, And I think if Panthers and Manly play today, I think Manly win that game. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think realistically, I've got the Melbourne Storm as a favourites and I've got Manly and Penrith at about even. I think for me, it depends how this draw plays out. It depends which of the two of these three sides end up on the same side of the final series. Like if you end up with, you know, the Melbourne Storm playing either the Panthers or the Manly Seagulls in the prelim final, it changes everything. So it all comes down to who ends up on what side. If the Melbourne Storm land on a side without, Either of those two teams, um, I think they're just going to cakewalk to the grand final. And, geez, if you are the, the Penrith Panthers and the Manly Seagulls and you end up playing each other to get into the grand final, God, it's going to be hard to get up again the week after. And if, you, if it lands the other way, say if you're the Penrith Panthers on one side and Melbourne has to beat Tom Travovich to get into the grand final, if I'm the Penrith Panthers, I'm feeling pretty confident because that's going to take a lot of juice out of it. I think a lot of this competition is going to come down to who ends up on what side of this finals run.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. The other component, um, that no one really talks about over the past, say two or three weeks, I've sort of picked it up. I don't know if you've picked it up, but I've sort of picked up that those, the particularly the, the, uh, Manly Seagulls, they've sort of proven, um, that Melbourne can be beaten. If you get in their face early, you score a few points, um, and you, yeah, you just get in their face for the entire game in defense and in an in, in attack. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Oh, look, obviously any team can be beaten. Melbourne was beaten on the weekend. I sort of, yeah, I, I think that Melbourne, they are just waiting for finals footy to come around. And history tells us that Craig Bellamy, he has got a plan for every single player he's ever taken on, obviously. 2012, he took on Ben Barber, who was untouchable. He had a plan for him. He kept him quiet in that grand final. They won that one. 09, he took on Hayne, who was on an unbelievable run, kept him quiet in that grand final. I have no doubt whatsoever that the, the Melbourne Storm and Craig Bellamy have a plan for Tom Trbojevic. And, yeah, I, I think that whatever plan he does have, and, you know, he's a smarter rugby league brain than me, so he would know. But I just don't think he would have shown it the other week when they did play. I think if people are reading a little bit too much into that game the other day. If he knows how to beat him, there's not a hope in hell he's going to share it in round 22 or whatever it is. So that's the contest I'm really looking forward to, though. At some point, the Manly Seagulls are going to have to play the Melbourne Storm, I think, and I can't wait to see how Bellamy handles it. It kind of it reminds me of when the Roosters won in 2018. Uh, they, they, they beat the Melbourne Storm in the grand final, and Victor Radley said after the game that we knew halfway through the year how to beat the Melbourne Storm, but we, didn't, we couldn't reveal it. Yet, because if we did in the regular season, Craig Bellamy would find a way to overcome what they were doing. So, sort of reminds me of that it's a real chess uh, and chestnut checkers uh, sort of contest at the moment, but they can be beaten. There's no doubt about it. We saw it on the weekend, uh, but I think when it gets to final sooty, sort of, it's a different beast. It's very different to round 20 to 25 when you know. Oh, you've got a top four spot locked up. Nothing. They're a team that has played so much finals footy. Uh, they know how to taper and be up at the right time. So still, they can be beaten, no doubt about it. But I'm not as convinced on the narrative that Manly have worked out a way to beat Melbourne sort of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, well, if, if say, if Manly and Melbourne play tomorrow, who do you think wins that game?
1: Uh, if they play tomorrow... Uh, could be anyone's. If they play in the in final series, I'm taking Melbourne every day of the week.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, just a quick one as well. Um, South without Luttrell. Uh, do you still see them uh, going far in this final series?
1: Uh, I can see them going a good whack. I think that they probably lose week one. I think that means that in week two, they'll either play you know, a Parramatta or a Roosters, potentially a Knights or one of the other sides. But oh, I can see them going through the first two weeks, but I can't see them going any further than that. I think with Latrell, I would have given them a real shot because the other factor with South Sydney is that you're going to have the farewell tour kicking in soon. There's going to be a lot of motion around sending off Adam Reynolds, sending off Wayne Bennett as well. But I just think it's a superstar league at the moment and losing one of your biggest stars in Latrell Mitchell it's definitely going to hurt them. I think they could win their first. I think I think they could make it to week three. That's probably their ceiling for me. That the South Sydney Rabbitohs minus Latrell Mitchell.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, moving on, obviously Parramatta won um, last week against Melbourne. That was huge for them. What do you think Parra should do um, in order to go a bit further in this final series?
1: Uh, well, I think they definitely need to take a couple of lessons from that game on the weekend where they just went through the front door. They played through the center third. They didn't try and play too lateral, which that's a problem with this competition at the moment that a team like Parramatta, they've got so many ball playing forwards that they can go a little bit sideways sometimes. You know, Between Junior Paulo and Nathan Brown, they can get a little bit too lateral, but the reality is that Playing like that, there's probably 11 teams in this competition you can beat nine times out of 10 with that sort of footy, but you can't beat the top four teams like that. You really have to take it to them and go through the centre third with them, uh, which I think the Parramatta Eels did a great job of against the Melbourne Storm. So I think that's a lesson that they need to take without a doubt. Uh, But once again, I still think that Melbourne Storm team, they're going to be very different in a couple of weeks. Once they get big Nelson Sofa solomona back. Once Kamakamika has some more uh, yards under the legs, they'll be a very different side through the centre third. But I think that Parramatta – and, you know, it's, it's not like they just discovered a way to beat. They just, they just played the way they should be playing instead of trying to get too fancy, which I think some of the lower teams that Parramatta have belted and smashed all year probably lures them in to play that style of footy when it's not really the way to beat these top sides.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I, I took some notes on this one because I, I was – I was having slept this nice thinking about this one actually because uh, they've obviously had a few um really shocking games this at the end of a uh, bit of this season um I think Mitchell Moses needs to stand up and he needs to realize that he is the guy that um, is going to take them through this final series as well as Clint Gutherson I think that uh I, I heard you guys talking on the bloke uh, podcast the other week about Mitchell Moses, how he's sort of like a Luke Brooks in the sense that he's sort of a second fiddle and he sort of needs that um, other half to come in and sort of uh, lead him around the park and just let him play his footy. Um, But at the moment, they haven't got that. So they really need Mitchell Moses to realise, okay, I'm the guy that needs to stand up and I need to play my best footy. What do you think? Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I think Mitch Moses, he probably understands that he is that guy, but... Being that, like knowing you are that guy and being that guy, it's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, especially in the crunch moments when you cop as much shit as Mitchell Moses does. I mean, regardless of how Moses plays over the next few weeks, if Parramatta don't win the comp, it's going to be Moses' fault. That's just the narrative that people paint in the media and mm. fans jump on it as well It's bullshit. You saw after that state of origin game. Guy laid on two tries with a broken back and people still bagged him. Like, there's nothing that Mitch Moses can do to make people happy realistically. Uh, as we said on the Bloke podcast, I mean, ideally, you want to have someone come in, come into that system, like a true winner that can show Mitch Moses the ropes that can take him to that next level. Uh, but as it stands right now, he doesn't really have that guy. So it heaps a lot of pressure on him. And the other thing as well with, that makes it hard for Moses is that he's lost Reed Marnie. That is a massive loss for this side and it's it makes it even more impressive that they managed to beat Melbourne without him. Dare I say for the first, I don't know, 15 weeks of the competition, he was their best player by far and away. So a big test for, for Moses obviously coming into the finals, but he needs the other guys to stand up around him as well. You know, Gutho's an experienced player now. They need the very best out of him. I'm not sure if he's playing this week. We'll know this afternoon with Teamless. I'd say he'll be rested as will the vast majority of the squad. But I think as well... But Mitch Moses, to play his best footy, you need those forwards going forward. They can't get too lateral. They need to be getting to the right spots and they just need to try and win the meters game. The forward pack is just so important in the modern game. And, you know, Mitch Moses is one of those guys that he probably can't win games of football unless he's on the front foot, which is the vast majority of footballers. You know, it's only a select few halfbacks that can win a game when their pack's not winning. We're talking Freddie, we're talking Joey, these sort of guys. And, Dare I say, every single halfback in this competition at the moment, they, they, they're they also in the same boat. They need their forward pack to do their job. So I think there is a little bit of pressure on Moses, obviously, but I think it is a little bit unfair. He does need an entire team effort uh, for Parramatta
0: to do well in the finals. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, another note I've got here is, is Dylan Brown. Um, I mean, he had a great try saving tackle. Um, I think it was on Remus Smith. Um, he, he's electric, and I think if he stands up a bit too and starts playing his best footy, um, geez, power, they'll be a force to be reckoned with, Moses and Dylan Brown. Yeah,
1: no doubt about it. I think people need to remember Dylan Brown is 21, 22. He's played, I don't know, off the top of my, off the dome, I would say 40 or 50 first grade games. So he's, he's still very young in his career. He's still finding his way. Uh, he's also in a team without you know, a true winner in it to lead him around. Like I say for Gutho and Moses, it's hard without that that main guy on the side. For Dylan Brown, God, like people just stack so much pressure on this poor bastard. Uh, and look, he hasn't had the try assist and everything this year, but I think he has been solid realistically. As you said, some of the defensive efforts he's made over the last two or three years have been unbelievable. Another one on the weekend. I really do think Dylan Brown is a player of the future, and I think he's a guy that the Eels definitely need to keep their hands on. Hopefully Moses can take himself to that next level. I obviously think as well, we've obviously got the coach, Brad Arthur. He's been there for a number of years. They've been in this same spot a few times. Hopefully they've turned the corner after the win on the weekend, but maybe it's time for a more experienced coach to come in and maybe he'll be uh, that next coach. will be able to take these guys to the next level, but, There's not many guys that fit that category realistically. You're probably talking Wayne Bennett, Bellamy, Robinson, whether Parramatta are going to be able to get one of those guys. uh, It's a tough gig.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, Talking about power next season, they're looking at getting Tyron Peachy. Now, I've said on a podcast before this, he's so underrated. Like, people give him a lot of uh, negative uh, feedback. But I think that if they find his position – and they, they find out what he's best at, he's just going to be lethal for the for the Parramatta Eels, and he'll be a great signing for them.
1: Yeah, he could be, mate. He's got the potential to be, no doubt about it. But I think it's also time that Tyron Peachy takes it upon himself to get the best footy out of him. He's been through a couple of systems now. He's played a heap of positions. Everyone knows he's talented. No one would deny that. Um, But I mean, they did bring Bryce Cartwright down there this year. Another guy who was in a very similar position, probably a worse position than Tyrone Peachy is right now. And they've turned him around. He's been unbelievable. So if they can have the same impact on Tyrone Peachy, I think it'd be an unreal signing. I just, I don't know where you play him for me. If you're signing him to be a center, I think that's a waste. Um, They obviously don't need a hooker. They don't need anyone in the halves. So Jersey 13 sort of stands out for me, but I mean, between Nathan Brown, Isaiah Papaliti, Junior Paulo, I'm not sure if you really need a guy like him through Mm. the center third. Um, I think any team getting Tyrone Peachy is a decent signing, especially if you can get the best out of him. But I'm not sure if he's the sort of guy that Parramatta Eels need
0: right now, realistically. Yeah, no, I agree. But in saying that, he's a great 14 off the bench just in the fact that he's versatile I mean to be honest I'm not comparing him to Connor Watson but he's sort of like a Connor Watson in the sense we don't know his best position but put him at 14 and he comes on and just you stick him anywhere and he'll he'll do his job
1: at his best yeah but I mean we haven't seen that consistently out of Tyrone I think that a guy like Bryce Carroyd's been doing a great job in that role for them the other thing about Tyrone is that you know, he's not going to be a guy that you're going to sign for 150K, 200K. It's going to have to be probably around that 400, 500K sort of mark for him. So, uh, very as I said, mate, if they can get the very best out of him, it's a great signing. But, yeah, I don't know. It comes with a bit of risk. And I'm, I, obviously, if you get that high end potential, great. But if you don't, geez, it's it's not a great signing. So, I mean, they're, they're, to me, they're not a team that is screaming out for a guy like Tyrone
0: Peachy, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, totally. Well, speaking about Connor Watson, where do you think Roosters are going to play him next year?
1: Uh, well, from talking to Kempe the other day, who um, he was talking to Cameron Smith that morning, and Smith reckons that he's going to play hooker. And uh, Cameron Smith would know a thing or two about hookers. But um, for me, I think he will be the 14. Uh, it's mm. a good opportunity for him to push through for a starting spot somewhere, but you've got to assume he won't be at the halves. Mm. You've got to assume he definitely won't be at fullback. Um, at nine, I don't mind it. Sam Verrill, who I really liked a couple of years ago, he probably hasn't kicked on in the same fashion I expected him to. But the other thing about the Roosters is, as like, like if you've got Victor Radley, if he's available fit and not suspended, you don't want to play him for less than 60 minutes realistically. As good as Conor Watson is, as good as the ceiling is that he has, Victor Radley is so important to that side. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see where they do fit Connor. Obviously with mm. the with the hooker narrative, I don't, I don't hate it, but I also don't think hooker is in his top three best positions, to be honest with you. Um, yep. His pass isn't great. He's kind of throwing watermelons out of there and no doubt, Trent Robinson oh, yeah. will get the very best out of him. But yeah, I think it's an interesting signing. I, I think it's probably a better move for Connor Watson than what it is for the roosters, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, yeah, as you said, you, you won't probably play him in the halves considering the fact, I mean, Sam Walker, like people don't remember. He's played majority of this season with a busted AC joint. He, he's he been electric. He's been really great. And I think if he comes back, he comes back about five or 10 kilos heavier, Um, works on his defense a bit more, Um, but that comes with being a bit heavier. I think he's really a, a, a strike half that any side would be lucky to have.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for uh, for him is the fact that Luke Kirry comes back next year. You see a lot of guys that come in and play in the halves and have a really good season, and then all of a sudden, the next year, they're the main guy. It all comes down to them. The beauty of Sammy Walker is that he's not the main guy next year. Uh, Luke Kirry returns. He's going to be the guy driving the ship. I think it's really, really good timing for Sam Walker. He's obviously got a season under his belt that he probably shouldn't have had realistically, that ideally he wouldn't have had, but he's handled it very well. He's Obviously, a little bit battered and bruised. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a couple of years until you see Sam Walker probably put on uh, that weight that you, that you spoke about that because the reality is that he is 18. It's it's crazy yeah, how young sure. he is, so it's probably going to take till he's 20, 21 to put on that weight. Um, but the other thing about Sam Walker is the other thing no one talks about is that because of COVID and everything, he didn't play rugby league last year, uh, yeah. so it's he he hasn't he hasn't played New South Wales Cup and made his way through. He didn't play twenty five games of cup footy tackling adults and then came into first grade. He just he just came into first grade essentially. Uh, he you know even as far as playing like SG ball and and, and schoolboy footy last year he missed out on the vast majority of that. So to see him come in and do what he's done is unbelievable. And I don't think it would have happened in any other system outside of the Roosters, realistically.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I think I think as well. Um... It's like that's a huge transition going from FG ball, um, from club footy, going straight to first grade. Um, you've got all this weight on your shoulders. Um, considering Roosters are that side that people expect to be in the finals, to be in the top four, he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. Without Luke Kiry, he sort of had to take on that main halfback role, and he's and he's performed to the best of his ability. And I think with Luke Kiry coming back, I think that um, he can just let Luke Curie play his footy and then just play off that and i think he'll be really really good um yeah just being that second fiddle to Luke Curie.
1: Yeah i think as well mate you obviously said it's a it's a big jump like it's a massive jump like uh, you're 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 in my footy team that i coach obviously and we've obviously jumped up a few divisions over the last few years and yeah i mean that's going from division to division in the same age group and how much of a difference has that been now think about essentially he's gone from Playing under 18s to playing grown adults in the hardest yep. competition against the biggest humans imaginable. The jump is unbelievable. And the size he's at, as, as you've mentioned, it's just crazy what he's done this year.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I can't. I'm most Sammy Walker, so I can't really tell you what, what that's like, but I can sort of give you a little idea. Like, we were a Div three, um, playing really easy teams. I was a second rower, scoring about three tries a game on like on a good day. I've we've moved up to like Div two. Um, we've got play, teams that should be in Div one playing in there. We've got massive teams, and and I uh, put in the front row. I, I can tell you, I can tell you right now, it, it's hard. It's hard for us. It's hard. It was hard for um, the halves as well. We obviously had a lot of injuries like Riley and that uh, being out. We had a huge amount of injuries. And I think, um, yeah, I think next year we'll be on fire um, now that we've got used to that sort of uh, Div 2 comp. Yeah,
1: and and it takes time regardless of if you're under 12s, if you're under 15s, 19s, first grade. uh, Rugby leagues just gets harder and faster as you move up and – He'll be really good for the run, Sam Walker. So excited to see him next year. I'm sort of uh, I'm hesitant on my expectations because the second year is often the hardest, yeah. uh, obviously coming off the back of year first, but it will help having Luke Keery there and being in the system that he's in with all the stars returning next year for the Sydney Roosters,
0: I'm really looking forward to seeing them next year. Yeah, totally. Well, a similar thing happened to Kyle Flanagan. He had a great season for the Roosters. Then he moves to the Bulldogs, and he's got so much weight on his shoulders, they think that he's this – top-notch halfback. They've got so much expectation for him, and he he ends up getting dropped halfway through the season.
1: Yeah, for sure, and uh, I think that's just the reality of going uh, from one of the top teams to one of the bottom teams that is building. This year for Canterbury was always going to be a bit of a building season. I think we give Flano another year or so to see how he goes when he has got the right pieces around him next year. So, yeah, I'm not really too keen on stacking too much shit on Flano. I want to give him a bit more time than what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Well, on to the next topic to finish up. Uh, let's talk of some league expansion. We've obviously got the either the Redcliffe Dolphins, the Brisbane Firehawks or the Brisbane Jets uh, coming into the NRL or potentially. What do you think on that?
1: Uh, I think it's really interesting. Um, personally, I wouldn't do it myself. I'm not sure if we have the talent to be able to do it. Uh, you look at the games this year and how many blowouts and stuff there's been and people complaining about the top teams being too good. I just think to spread that talent out even further uh, would make life very, very hard. Uh, You look at expansion teams over the years, just across Australia in a lot of competitions, more often than not, they haven't been overly successful. Um, You know, Obviously with the Melbourne Storm as the major exception back in 98. uh, But yeah, look, I I, I won't be against it. I think the other thing that we've got to consider is that if you bring in an extra team, all of a sudden you've got 17 teams instead of 16, which means that one team needs to have a bye every week. So it's sort of uh, – there's a lot of factors that go into it. If they were going to do this, I would probably rather do it properly and bring in two teams instead of one. But I don't think we have the talent for one, let alone two. So it's really interesting. And, you know, I think it's a strange time to do it when you consider that a lot of kids coming through the junior system, they haven't played much rugby league over the last two years. Like – well, like you guys that are your age, for example, what, what have you played? Probably 12 games
0: of footy in the last two years? Oh, we've played like less than that. We've probably played less about seven or eight.
1: Yeah, less than that. You look at the Harold Matts and SG Ball last year, they only played half the season as well. And God knows what's going to happen this year. So it's a really interesting time to try and bring in another team. Uh, but the powers that be are smarter than me. Landy's will work it out. But yeah, personally, if it's not broken, Don't fix it for me. And I I don't think we have the depth at the moment. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that there definitely needs to be, if there's one, there's two, because it's going to be just terrible on the fans. No one's really going to like it, having their team out for a week. (laughs) And the super coach goers as well, they're, they're going to struggle having Nathan Cleary out one or two weeks in the season.
1: Well, that's the other thing, mate. And as silly as that sounds, You know, fantasy football, all you have to do is look around the world at other sports and how important it is. And it's only growing in Australia. More and more people are getting into it. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that wouldn't be on the radar of Peter Vandys, but that's something that Jeff, I know for sure it would impact me and my mates. And I know from you boys that I coach footy, you guys are pretty keen on your comp. So all of a sudden, if a team has the bye during finals, that plays a huge role. And, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it that probably – Uh, There's bigger fish to fry than uh, fantasy football for PBL. But uh, yeah, definitely something to
0: consider. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Well, if there was a league expansion and they did bring in two teams, two teams that I've got coming in, I've got the Redcliffe Dolphins because I think that they've already got a field up. They've got teams playing there. They've sort of advertised um, their club in a good way. I think they'd be the most likely to enter the NRL. And I think that if they add a second team, they don't need another Brisbane one. I think they need like an Auckland one. Let's spread it out. Maybe PNG, uh, an Auckland side. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of things that go into this. That to, to be honest with you, I haven't looked too deeply into all these sides. I'm just waiting to see how it plays out. I like the Redcliffe bid. Uh, but as far as an Auckland and a PNG side goes, I think it, it's a great idea in theory, but when you look at the state of just the world at the moment, bringing in another international side would be incredibly difficult. I think it's probably, you know, as good as another New Zealand team would be, it's probably the worst possible time to bring in another team from New Zealand simply because the Warriors haven't played a game there in two years. I mean, half the guys playing for the Warriors have never set foot in New Zealand, realistically. it's uh, why, why, Once again, it's just a really grim time to be bringing in another team into this competition because there is just so much going on in the world that just makes it, even more difficult. I mean, if we were to bring a new team in in two years and we're put in the same situation where these guys are separated from their families and everything, I mean, it just has such an impact on that team and how they're built. If you were to bring in a new side in their first two seasons, they were in a bubble. It just changes everything. If fans aren't allowed to go and watch that team play, they miss out on those crucial first few years to build a big fan base. Um, yeah, really tough. Tar- and you've obviously got to pay overs to get players if you're a new franchise because teams don't know what they're walking into. And mm. history tells them they're more than likely walking into a bit of trouble. They're not walking into a Melbourne Storm, or Sydney Roosters, one of these sides. So, yeah, look, I'm not overly keen on the expansion idea right now, realistically. I think that before we expand, we simply need more people playing rugby league. Like,
0: yeah.
1: I coach you in, in South Sydney in under-16s. How many South Sydney teams? Are there three?
0: Oh, there's like four or five. That's it. Five. Um, okay. That's let's just the
1: Yeah, that's just the outcome. But let's say at max there's five teams, which there probably isn't that many. That's 100 kids that are choosing to play rugby league at age 16. I mean, yeah. that that is embarrassing at the
0: moment. Yeah, no, that's, that's hectic. Um, and there's a lot of teams that have dropped out too in the last few years as well. You've got the um, you got the Coogee Dolphins. You've got, just off the top of my head, the Lions. Um. Yeah, there's like,
1: oh, plenty. All, all you have to do is look at our, our team that we've got, and we've got probably kids from four or five different clubs that have folded over the last few years. So I, I think we probably need to get our own backyard sorted before we dive into expanding. And look, obviously, yeah. um, South Sydney and the eastern suburbs isn't probably the best example of rugby league because we're not really the heartland. Uh, it is, you know, Penrith and Newcastle up in mm. Queensland. which so those comps seem to be going okay, but yeah. in general... It seems to me that numbers are down from where they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even more so.
0: Yeah, and, and even teams like the, um, like Clovelly, Clovelly Crocs, they're getting players from Penrith and, and, and other and other districts as well. Um, so, yeah, you've definitely got a lack of players uh, playing and I definitely think they needed to wait even five years before they even discuss uh, expanding uh, in the NRL. I think they have to wait a long time for that, personally. Yeah.
1: I agree, mate. Completely agree.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for hopping on. Um, It's been a pleasure to talk to you. No,
1: thank you, mate. Appreciate the opportunity to come on and have a chat. And uh, hopefully when lockdown's over, we can get get
0: stuck back into some footy. Well, that was it. That was it, guys. The Rugby League Guru chat That was the first time I ever had him on the podcast uh, And it was a great chat We talked about some awesome topics there I want to thank again Rugby League Guru For hopping on all those times Supporting the page, everything he's done For the page, just want to give a huge shout out To the Rugby League Guru Thank you for choosing Big Lazar's League And all Rugby League experience Recommend this podcast to a friend And I'll see you guys in the next one